Hi, my name is Titi Mutendi and you are listening to Enterprising Families Podcast. Welcome to the world of Enterprising Families where we discuss the issues of governance, next gen and looking at how families of wealth and family businesses growing into families of wealth can preserve their wealth, become better as they go forward into a new generation. Hi everybody and welcome to this episode of Enterprising Families and on this episode of Enterprising Families I have with me James Coutre and we are going to be speaking about why relevancy is important for families of wealth and their family offices. Now I read this amazing article that James wrote for FFI and after I read it all like oh my goodness this is just something that people just overlook because we assume that a family office being set up by the family should automatically know what the family needs and obviously with multi-generational transitioning that becomes a complexity and there's so much that goes into it so I'm so excited to have Jim here and he is going to be able to unpack this interesting topic with me hi Jim hey thanks for having me and I would like you to introduce yourself to my audience so they know who you are and what you do great so um so Jim Coutre, uh, I work at the Family Services, uh, Family Office Services Group within Fidelity Investments, it's a big investment firm in the U.S. And we do you know, custody, brokerage, and trading primarily for single-family offices. And, and my role in the group is unique in that um, my job is simply to be helpful to the families we work with on anything not related to finance or investments. So um, I'm working with families and family office executives around both. Um, Family matters, you know, how to, things like how do you raise healthy kids amidst wealth? Uh, and then office matters, you know, how do you maintain a vibrant family office through the generations? Right. I'd like to get into how do you raise healthy kids on the next episode of Enterprising Families. But for today, <laughs> we're going to be talking about relevancy. So, what do you mean when you say relevancy? Yeah, so I, there's there's kind of two ways that we think about relevancy in family offices, and and one is kind of how is the office, the the, the family office solution, how is that relevant to the family, and then in the other kind of more nuanced layer is how are any of the constituent groups in that family office system relevant to one another? But like, so I'm going to suggest so for simplicity's sake, we just start today in talking about the relevancy of the office to the family. And that relevancy is just really the, the perceived connection, um, the real connection, the perceived connection between the family or the, the, and the family office. And, you know, simply put, like, do the family members feel that this office plays an important role, like in their lives and the overall success of the family? Do they feel connected to it? Is it meaningful uh, in, in, in their lives? Mm-hmm. And why is relevancy important or is it important? Yeah, oh, it is. I think the, the, the biggest, um, most important thing about relevancy is the idea that um, families are always evolving and, um, and, and, and families, family offices that are relevant to the family are going to be better positioned to evolve with the family and change over time and kind of serve and meet the needs of the family. Mm-hmm. And I'm not not saying that family offices need to last through the generations. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Um, but what, what, what I am saying is that I think it behooves families to be really intentional about how their offices evolve and meet the needs of the changing family. Because if they're not, what takes its place instead of evolution is disruption. Mm-hmm. Um, so when, a, when an office all of a sudden kind of departs from what the, the family needs and what the family wants, it can get to this place where the family's not going to be well served um, and that can kind of fall apart and that's disruptive to the family. Um, and, and it's just, it's something that uh, can be avoided and that family should be intentional about avoiding. Hmm. But, but I, I mean, and more, and more tangibly, um, you know, why is relevancy important to, uh, to families? A mm-hmm. um, couple of reasons. I mean, one of them is just like protection, the safety and security of the family. I think when a family, when a family member feels that the office is relevant to them, um, you know, they trust that office and they listen to that office. And so they're going to be more inclined to do the things that the family office wants them to do to protect the, uh, to protect the family. You know, so things like, um, like cybersecurity, uh, safe, safe money movement, um, you know, adhering to a, a, um, a, a kind of a, a safe digital footprint. The family is going to listen to the advice of the executives if that office is relevant. Um, I, I think that um, relevancy help, can help families not just execute on you know, tax returns and investment statements, but a relevant family office can help that family flourish mm-hmm. um, because the family says, hey, you know, here's something that can, um, some trusted people mm-hmm. that are looking out for our best interests that can help us attain these overall goals for success that are not tied to our financial capital. Hmm. And I think relevancy also is important in terms of continuity, Um, uh, you know, skills and abilities and interests from different family members, you know, ebb and flow over time Mm -hmm. and having an office that is there and seen as an integral um, part of the family and is seen as valuable to the family is going to be able to help smooth those valleys and peaks. Mm -hmm. And it's also going to help, the family bridge rocky transitions. Like if you're transitioning leadership within the uh, within the family from one generation to the other, uh, and then and then finally personal development. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, kind of, kind of an extension of of helping families flourish beyond just executing on that you know financial reporting. Mm-hmm. If a family member feels that the office is relevant to them and is looking out for and can play a role in their overall success, that family member is going to be open to working with the office on their own personal development, mm-hmm. um, developing the skills that they need, the tangible skills, maybe the entrepreneurship, maybe the uh, interpersonal skills that they need. But they're going to have this, this, this resource in the family office for their own personal development, which you magnify that by every family member over generations, and that can really have a huge impact on the trajectory of the family. And I like the way you broke that down, because when I think of it, um, I wish I had a family office because, I mean, having a set of people dedicated to just managing me and how I spend my money, where I spend my money, making sure I get the right personal development, the right financial investments in place. I mean, I think everyone could do well with a family office because it takes away that pressure of trying to do your balance sheet at the end of every month and trying to figure out what to budget and how to budget it. But also, also I think if you articulate 
um, family offices are great in that if they articulate the overarching goals for the family, like what mm. success looks like, then all of a sudden you have a, a mechanism to hold your family accountable for making progress towards those goals. Mm. Like as individuals and as kind of households, we all have these aspirations of what success looks like. But, um, but we're often not making intentional progress towards that success because life gets in the way and no mm. one's holding us accountable for doing that other than, than ourselves. Um, it's like, yes, I would love to kind of map out this trajectory, but like, I gotta bring my son to soccer practice, you know? Mm. So, so having that family office that can hold the family accountable for talking about and making progress towards some of these big intangible, um, non-urgent uh, goals, I think is just one of the really exciting um, things that family offices offer. Absolutely. And then looking at that, what do you think are the factors that grow and diminish relevancy? Yeah, there's, um, I mean, there's a lot of them. And we've kind of looked at, you know, my team has kind of looked at these within family offices. Mm -hmm. um, trust is obviously a big one. Um, actually, a lot of the executives that I've talked to say, you know, well, relevancy is trust. If the family doesn't trust that the executives within that office are kind of understand who they are and are continually working towards the family best goals, like relevancy can't exist. Um, rapport is a big one. It's just like, what is that relationship between um, the executives in the office and the family members? And this is a, a big one, especially when you're looking at multi-generational offices or as, as offices, as families grow through the generations. And, you know, the, the, the easy one here is, you know, if you're the rising gen, is the executive running the office? Are they looking out for you? Do they care about you? Are they interested in your voice? Or do they only care about what your parents say? Um, and, and, and again, that's an important thing to stress because for um, an office that wants to be relevant to the family, even if you, even if you, um, really believe with and think you connect with and you think that the rising generation's voice is important if they don't believe it if they perceive that you don't then your relevancy disappears um there's also things like uh just executional excellence you know the, the family office has to do stuff there's tangible things you have to do and if you're not nailing that if you're not you know doing that doing the greatest job on that it's going to be really hard to be perceived as relevant to the office and and then also just some some more um, less tangible factors, um, the the ability to just be agile and flexible, the ability to evolve over time, and even the ability to um, you know what we'll call speak truth to power, um, to be able to push back on the uh, on, on the decision makers in the family and, um, and and be able to kind of speak to them the honest truth that makes a family office more relevant. But so there's a number of these different factors, but I think there's also a really simple rule of thumb um, that, that any office can use to kind of gauge their relevancy to the family. Mm -hmm. and, and that's that concept of, you know, is the office meeting the, the true needs of the family or just the stated needs of the family? Mm -hmm. All right, that unpacks a whole new dimension. I'm assuming when you set up a family office, you obviously just, it's an extension I can think of. Let's say if you're, if you're in a company and you are growing up in the ladder 
and you get to a point where you're an executive and you're in the C-suite and you have now a PA that's dedicated to helping manage your diary and um, helping run around and do the small things that you can't dedicate time to all the time. Like, um, like you said, there's certain things that in a day one person can't do. So when it comes to that, you, you're assuming that this person has to understand me and my needs and be able to cater to them. So when you're saying the true needs of a family, what are the true needs? And because it also sounds like you're suggesting that a family doesn't know what it wants. Yeah, yeah that's, that could get me in trouble, right? Yep. <laughs> um, so, so that, I mean, but, but that's it, you know, those, those kind of the tangible needs, the, the stated needs are the, those urgent things that are right in front of us. You know, like, you know, manage my calendar, uh, you know, get insurance to the plane. Uh, you know, we need to file these tax doc, doc, documents. And, and those are the things that um, they're, they're, they're right there. They're, they're urgent. Mm-hmm. Um, but those true needs, you know, I think about it, you know, more in terms of um, how could the family office make the family's lives better? Mm-hmm. How can the family office move towards, uh, help the family move towards that vision of, of success? You know, it's not about what do I have to execute on today, um, but how do we, uh, how could the family office play a role in helping the family be the family we want it to be two generations from now? Mm. And sometimes it's, it's just hard to kind of pick up your head from the day to day and, um, and, and, and turn to the office and have the office play a, a, you know, a, a bigger role um, in those kind of like true needs. Mm-hmm. And so why do families fail to make their true needs, their stated needs? Yeah, um, I think part of that comes to, um, if you look at where a lot of these offices start and who surround the family, they're professional advisors. There's, you know, there's lawyers and, and accountants and tax professionals and investment professionals. And they spend all their time pushing families around things like tax returns and structures. And they don't um, talk a lot about personal fulfillment or family well-being. So I think that a lot of families get in these places where they just really don't understand the range of, of, of ways that the, a family office could support them and could help the, um, the family grow. And so they just don't, they just don't have that understanding, that vocabulary, uh, they don't have that model for um, how their family office could be more valuable to them. Um, I also think there's, um, and sometimes, especially in uh, offices that are founder-led, you know, you know, created by the wealth creator, um, you know, I think there's a, we, we kind of have these mental models of what are the attributes of somebody that's really successful in creating wealth. Um, and a lot of times those attributes include, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of strong decision makers and they have a very specific perspective on the world. And sometimes those folks are less in tune with the needs of others in the family, you know, because they're like, hey, this is what I want and this is what I need. And I know what's best for you because I've been making these really great decisions all my life. So I'm going to continue to make decisions for everyone else. So it, it kind of doesn't, um, you know, open it open it up to the needs of other families. But then maybe even more so, I think it's just that, um, it's just a focus on like what's right in front of you. What's the immediate need versus long-term. And I think a lot of families have a hard time um, 
they have an easy time paying for things they have to have tomorrow and have a hard time paying for or investing in their future. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're, they're um, I, I guess I'll just give an example of, of what I mean there. And because mm -hmm. I see this often where um, family offices, fam families will um, not encourage or sometimes even allow the executives running their office to kind of go out and about and network and to connect with other peers and to, um, and to kind of hear what others are doing and learn from others. And the families, you know, often want to keep their executives kind of, you know, at home tied to their desk because, you know, they don't want to pay for the family to net for the executive to network. They don't want to fly them around. There's, there's, there's jobs that need to be done at here at home. And there's also kind of privacy concerns. They don't want that executive sharing stories with other executives. And so here's that focus on the, the immediate, like I've got stuff that I need to address now and I've got concerns about today. But what happens in those offices um, is that those executives are not growing as professionals. They are not gathering um, broader insight into how things are done. They're not bringing in new ideas. They're not bringing in diverse thinking. And so while they're able to execute exactly on what the family wants them to execute on today, as the family evolves and changes, they're not gonna be able to bring in that new thinking and those new best practices and new ways of looking at things um, that, they, that they could if the family had allowed them to, um, to go out and grow as a professional. And what advice do you have for family members and family office execs that want to keep their family offices relevant? Yeah. Um, it's a great question. I, I mean, no, you know, silver bullet. I think it, um, at I think the most important thing to do is just be asking the question, taking time for it, and saying, you know, are we, you know, are, is is this office relevant to us, and what does relevancy mean? Um, I think um, it requires a lot of self reflection um, and being able to um, just kind of be, you know, self aware of as a family member, you know, what you're asking for and what you're not asking for. Um, and being self-aware of, of are you too focused on the immediate and not the long term? Um, I think as a um, you know as an executive running an office, it's you know it's also being um, self-reflective of okay I, you know I may be I may be crushing it right now, but is this is today's um, definition of success going to be the same as this kind of rising generation comes into, uh, you know, comes into prominence? Like, do I, do I need to be evolving? And I just think that's carving out space to think about long-term, carving out space to think about what success looks like over generations is something that um, many, too many families and family offices just don't do. Um, and so I'd encourage everyone to, to make sure that they're of creating that space to think long-term and also creating space to think about like, are they an effective multi-stakeholder organization? Because I think a lot of the, the a lot of the um, disruption that comes from an office um, failing to remain relevant honestly comes from that transition from the first generation to the second generation, uh, because that second generation is gonna operate differently and gonna have different needs 
And when executives aren't thinking about and being really reflective on, are we a multi-stakeholder organization? Do we think about multi-stakeholders? Um, you know, if they're not doing that, it's more likely that they're going to become less and less relevant to that rising generation and thus not be able to evolve like the family needs them to do. And I hear you mentioned from the first generation to the second generation, how impactful or how important is re relevancy when you're looking at probably six to seven generations in? Oh, uh, um, absolutely. You know, when you get to um, six and seven generations, it, you know, honestly, those are the offices that I think are, um, are doing relevancy and are understanding relevancy and are, and are relevant maybe even more so than um, some of their younger families because they, they've done it. If they weren't relevant, um, if they couldn't evolve as the needs of the family changed from that, the, the, you know, the patriarch leading stuff to all of a sudden you've got siblings working together to also now you have this cousin consortium and now you have this kind of this sec next generation of cousin consortium. Like those are really um, difficult, diverse groups to hold together. And offices that aren't thinking about how do we remain relevant to these wildly diverse individuals who um, may not even know each other and may be spread out over the world. Uh, you know, the, the offices that, that get to that point, if they're not thinking about relevancy and they're not making themselves relevant, are going to disappear. And so the offices that I see that are in the fifth, sixth, seventh generation, they've actually are the ones that have done a really good job of saying, how do we reinvent ourselves? Um, and how do we make sure that we're creating a place that is, um, is for all of these family members and, you know, and is attractive to all of these family members? Because again, tying back to that, you know, that concept of the, of the family of affinity, um, if you have you know, 200 family members, you need to give them reasons to be associated with the family. Being part of that family is, is work and it takes some sacrifice and it takes some time. And if they don't see value in it, they're not going to opt in. They're going to opt out and they're going to kind of go their separate ways. Absolutely. And earlier you, you said you, you could look at relevancy in two ways, the relevancy of the office of the family and then the relevancy of each player in the system to the others. What do you mean by that? Yeah, I think that's another. I think that's another interesting way to look at it. So, I talk about the the family office system, and there are constituency groups in there. Um, there is the professional executive. You know, they're a constituency group, and they're kind of individuals, and they relate to the family member constituent groups. And so, in that family member constituent groups, you obviously have you the incumbent generation. You know, maybe that's the G one founder, or maybe that's the, you know G four who is in charge of the family, in charge of the office. So you have that incumbent generation. And then you also have the rising generation. These are the, the folks that are coming up in the family and they're saying, okay, this is, um, you know, we're, we're, we're kind of coming into adulthood here, coming into, you know, uh, our own lives. And is the, you know, are my, are my, my uncles, my fathers, you know, um, are they, understanding of and reflective of the things that I need in my life and my family wants in our life. Um, so you have that, that rising generation. Um, and then you also have another um, kind of constituency group 
in multi-generational families, which is that kind of in between the incumbent generation and the rising generation, we can kind of call that the, the Prince Charles generation. And that's also, a, it's a different dynamic because we've seen in, in so many offices, especially founder led offices that, that second generation being kind of squeezed out um, where the, where the founder uh, kind of holds on to the reins and stays in control so long that that second generation never really gets to take ownership of it. And by the time that the, the founder is ready to kind of let go of the reins, the third generation is there and they want to have control. And so there's kind of different, different dynamics in, in all of those. And I think that when, um, when we talk about the office's relevance to the family, that's like a, you want that, you need that. Um, if you want the office to serve the family, it needs to stay relevant. But when we talk about these different constituent groups, I think it's more nuanced in terms of there'll be times when these constituent groups want to increase their relevancy. And there'll be times when these, these constituent groups want to decrease their relevancy. You know, for example, you're the rising gen, your needs look very different than what, you know, your, your uncle's needs look like. Um, you need to advocate for that. You need mm -hmm. to say, how do I, how do I get kind of involved in this and how do I um, start to shape this on, on my own? Um, you know, or if you're like a family member and you're, if you're like, um, hey, I'm making too many decisions for the rest of the family, um, I need to decrease my relevancy. I need to step back to let others step up and help develop themselves. You know, that's a different dynamic. Absolutely. And, and so a lot of it is just um, with these different constituent groups is just more about intentionality, you know, assessing, are you becoming more or less relevant to each of the other pieces? And is that what you want? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and not necessarily saying you have to be more relevant, but just like address, like, you know, are you becoming less, more or less? And what can you do to um, kind of move yourself in those different directions? Right you have managed to unpack such a lot in, in these 30 minutes. I'm sure there's a lot of people who have been taking notes who are probably going to want to follow up on a lot of the things you've said. So I'm going to ask you just to share with us one last parting shot you would like people to, to keep a top of mind when they think of this topic and when they try to reach out to you. Yeah. Um, I think that this, this concept of self-reflection um, is huge. And that's just the ability to, to carve out the time and take a step back and think about, um, you know, what role am I playing in this system? How are others perceiving the role I'm playing this, in this system? And what can I do to be more intentional about pushing it in the direction that, you know, I want it to go in the direction that the rest of the system feel that it needs to go. Well, thank you so, so much for joining me today. And thank you so, so much for just um, adding your voice to the conversation around enterprising families. And um, I hope that people will reach out to you and deepen this conversation and understanding of relevancy, especially for family offices and for their families. Thank you. Thank you so much.